What is going on, New York Giant fans? Another preview pod, another Big Blue in the Bronx pod. Be sure to hit the like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops, video drops. Appreciate coming back. Share this out. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. Do all the good stuff. So, we're going to continue to do these preview pods. Despite the Giants being awful, despite Tommy DeVito starting, despite all of the turmoil that we are getting to witness as Giant fans, we're still putting out preview pods. We're still putting out some content. So be sure to like, subscribe, share, do all the good stuff as we go into this. But um, I'm going to be objective. I'm not going to be the fan type in this other than when I talk about the tank guide, which will be a little later on in the show. But I'm going to talk about what the evaluation process is going to be. And I know I kind of said it last week, um, or I should say a few days ago in the post-game pod for the Raider game, but at this point, it's an evaluation process for multiple things in terms of the New York Giants. Um, I think mostly it's on the defense. You know, um, the Giants play the Cowboys and they play the Commanders, which they are uh, on and off offense, and then they play New England. So you should see some defensive success, and you'll get to see what guys may be here next year, what guys may not be here next year, because the offense... I mean, there's going to be guys that are here next year. You know, Wandale Robinson, Jalen Hyatt, uh, some other cats on the offense. I, I don't think that Darius Slayton will be here next year, but that's, you know, for another day. Um, obviously, Tommy DeVito won't be the starter next year. Saquon Barkley, that's still in doubt. Um, but they're not going to be doing much on offense. Like, the Wandale Robinsons of the world, they're not going to be doing doing much because they don't have a capable quarterback. Um, you know, Jalen Hyatt, he's not going to be doing much. We would love to see a lot of production at him. But he doesn't have a capable quarterback right now. And the Giants don't have a capable offense. I believe that they're the worst in the league. Uh, sorry, Jeff fans. I don't agree with you that you guys are the worst. I agree that the Giants are the worst. Uh, defensively, though, you're looking at guys that may or may not be here next year. Um, Adoree Jackson, that's not going to happen this week. He's out with a concussion and a neck injury. So you'll be looking at guys like, you know, can Deontay Banks grow a little bit? Can Cordell Flott do some things and earn himself another year? Um, maybe Darnay Holmes plays a little bit. Trey Hawkins, you'd like to see some production too. Um, Dane Belton, uh, you really want to see him down the stretch because if Xavier McKinney's not resigned, and I think that's very likely after this week, and I'm going to get to uh, the comments in a second, which I think I assessed um, on, what was it? I assessed it on Tuesday, but I wanted to assess like everything because Wink Martindale even had comments and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you know, Aziz Ojoy, he, maybe he's not here next year. Maybe he gives the Giants also a reason to think about, hey, listen, I should be on this team another year despite my injuries and go all out these next few games. Um, you know, one of these defensive tackles, Sean Robinson, one-year contract, and Raheem Nunez Rochez, he's on a one-year contract as well. So a lot of things to factor in, but I want to get to the Xavier McKinney comments real quick, and then we'll go to the injury report and everything else. And of course... As always, we do have the second half portion of the show, which is dedicated to the discussion with the opposing writer or the opposing content creator. This time, it's David Hellman. So, Xavier McKinney came out after the game and said, um, I feel like our leaders are not being heard. Then you had Andrew Thomas come out and say, I don't know where he's coming from. You had Bobby O'Karake say, I don't know where he's coming from. And then you finally get it up to Wink. Now, a lot of people kind of ripped Wink, which is interesting. Um, yeah, 
you know, he shouldn't be airing out his grievances with McKinney and he should be keeping it in the house. And, you know, I think Dable should be pissed at Wink and, and that stuff like that. So there was, I believe, also a question that was asked by a reporter that said, Wink, you know, is McKinney going to start? And I think he may have gave a questionable answer. Um, that maybe I wouldn't have done, but I mean, it's just, it's not right in my opinion, if Brian Dable were to go after Wink Martindale for airing the dirty laundry and the disappointment with Xavier McKinney, because if you guys heard the comments from Wink Martindale, he said, you know, I was hurt. Nobody's ever done that to me. Nobody's ever said anything like that to me um, or about me. And, you know, he took a while to come up with the answer, and it was just one coverage play. And to that I say this, um, McKinney, his coverage play, he could actually X that out and offset it with the fact that he didn't try on the first end-around touchdown by the Raiders. So let's start with that. That's number one. Number two, going back to the even and odd points of you know people ripping Wink Martindale about the, uh, the comments that he made, my thing is this. Xavier McKinney has been opening his mouth all year. right? You know, I did get pissed with the Kayvon comments towards the fans and stuff like that when he was struggling. There was another player that I got pissed with his comments on the defense. It wasn't Evan Neal. Um, he's going to be out this game too. But I got pissed at another player's comments. I forget what he said. Moving forward to the McKinney, he's opened his mouth several times. And the fact that maybe Brian Dable hasn't kicked in and said something like, dude, shut up. It, it, it's it's so like, it, it's just, it's so hypocritical. It is so hypocritical because if multiple players were coming out, then we could say, okay, we're going to have a discussion because Wink maybe is not the right guy for this Giants defense. Maybe he's not the right guy for the locker room and whatnot. But it seems as though Bobby Okereke, he's behind his guy in Wink Martindale. Andrew Thomas is behind the entire coaching staff. Okereke, I believe, has a C. I'm pretty sure Thomas has a C as well. And McKinney has a C. But the leaders aren't being heard. You know what? I'm fi- I've said this before. I'll say it again. My status really hasn't changed, but McKinney can go at the end of the year. I don't care You know, who will try to have a debate with me and all this other good stuff. Um, I'm sorry, man. I mean, when multiple players in the locker room, and you know what's funny is uh, a lot of people have connected the dots and said, you know, maybe McKinney's just unhappy about his contract situation. Maybe he is, but that's that shouldn't be an affecting on the field and his play. It should be, hey, listen, I'm going to prove to these guys that I should be resigned here and I should get paid big bucks, big bucks, but let them get that somewhere else. Loser. So anyway, injury report. Um, Adoree Jackson, he's out with a concussion and neck injury. Deion Jackson, he's out, which leaves the Giants down to three running backs. Um, Evan Neal, he's out with an ankle injury. He was on crutches, so it's going to be a while. They won't put him on IR for some reason, which... I think all of that is either maybe the severity of the injury or it's just, hey, you know, this is a draft pick of ours that we're kind of kind of hoping is, you know, hopefully going to improve and come back on the field. And we don't really want to admit we're wrong in that area. Um, Paris Campbell, he's questionable with a hamstring injury. So it just it just feels like everybody's everybody's getting hamstring injuries. I don't know why hamstring injury. Deshaun Corbin, hamstring injury, but hopefully both of them will play. I mean, Paris Campbell, you know, he's a solid kick returner, and Corbin should get some burn over there as well uh, instead of Darnay Holmes, and maybe he features in the backfield a little bit. Um, also as well, Aziz Ojolari, he's questionable. I think they're going to activate him off of the 
IR in time. If they don't, that'd be really interesting. But um, Aziz, again, questionable with an ankle injury. And then Mark Lewinsky, personal matter. He is questionable. He did not practice for the last two days of the week. I hope all is well with his family. Nonetheless, the Giants probably would be uh, not starting him because the offensive line, Thomas, Pugh, JMS, Bredesen, and uh, the right tackle being Tyree Phillips. Cowboys, they don't have anybody uh, on the injury report except for one player. That's Cavante Turpin, who is a wide receiver. He's a kick returner, and he is questionable. Did not practice all week due to shoulder. The consensus in the air is that the Cowboys will sit him for this game. But everyone else is going to play. Um, 2020-2023 team stats. The Giants, well, they're 32nd in all categories except for the rushing offense where they're 13th. Defensively, they're 21st in total yards, 11th against the pass, 25th against the run, and 24th in points per game. Uh, 27th in pass percentage, 26th in run percentage, 29th in pass percentage on first down, and 11th in run percentage on first down as well. Uh, Second in blitz percentage, 15th in pressure percentage, 31st in sacks. So you look at the Cowboys, and they're much better. They're 5-3, so, I mean, they should be a little bit better considering where the rankings are, but, you know, that's that's the Cowboys, I guess. 10th in total yards, 12th in passing offense, 15th in rushing offense, 3rd in points per game. Defensively, 3rd in total yards, 6th against the pass, 15th against the run, and 6th in points per game. 21st in pass percentage, 12th in run percentage, 19th in pass percentage on first down, and 24th in run percentage on first down. 8th in blitz percentage, and 18th in sacks and pressure percentage, which is a little bit of a surprise because this is a very furious pass rush, um, you know, I'm surprised they're blitzing a little bit more, but I guess that's because they haven't gotten pressure like they used to. Um, Demarcus Lawrence, Chauncey Golston, Ose Digizua, Micah Parsons, and uh, Dorrance Armstrong. Those are some guys to list and you know watch out for. Also, Dante Fowler, too. So, you move to things to look for. Let's start with the defense, because the defense is a little bit more <laughs> enjoyable at this moment if you're a New York Giants fan. Um, Dak getting the ball out quick. That's what they've done. Uh, the turnovers have gone down for Dak. I know there was that one game against the 49ers where he completely shit the bed. But with the offensive line um, in and out, they've had some injuries. They've had some adversity at their hand. Um, Dak has been adjusting to getting the ball out quick. That's the Mike McCarthy and uh, Brian Schottenheimer offense. So which leads me to say this, right? Will the Giants play off coverage? Will they play man coverage and tight? Now, you're down a Dory Jackson this game, which you were not in week one. I'm going to go with the assumption, and this is just because the offense is so terrible, and this was the strategy in 2021. I think personally, personally me, and also as well against the Eagles the first time last year, the Giants had this strategy. I think the Giants are going to play off coverage. I think they'll still blitz a little bit here and there and around the square. But I think they'll play off coverage. Um, you'll have Trey Hawkins playing. You'll have Cordell Flott. And that's just not a good matchup. I mean, CeeDee Lamb's the toughest receiver there. Uh, Brandon Cooks is disappointing. 
there's that. Michael Gallup has gotten more yards than him, so that's going to be a test. You know, whether it's Cook against, uh, excuse me, Cooks against Hawkins, or is Hawkins against um, a guy in Michael Gallup. Also, Jalen Tolbert factors in a little bit too. So you know, those are some things to look for. Uh, off coverage, cornerback matchups, stuff like that. For the New York Giants, I predict a heavy ground game. I don't think that they're going to let Tommy DeVito throw for maybe more than 20 attempts, kind of like they did last game, um, which, of course, was not by design because Daniel Jones got hurt. But I would predict that they try to go to the ground and pound. Again, wouldn't necessarily like it if Saquon got like 30 carries because he's not that type of back. He's not as elusive as he used to be, but I wouldn't like it if he got you know, 30 carries and 130 yards, like, I don't think mathematically that's efficient. Um, so I would like Matt Breida in there, Deshaun Corbin, you feature some other guys in there as well, and do some trickery, you know, do some end around, stuff like that. Uh, it doesn't hurt. It really doesn't. The team is, what, two in seven? I mean, you might as well, right? So grounded pound for Big Blue. It's going to go through the running game. And Micah Parsons isn't the best run defender, especially when he's lined up inside. So I would say Tommy DeVito or even Saquon Barkley tell Tommy DeVito, hey, Parsons lined up on the inside. Let's try for a run here. So um, I think that's the way the Giants will get the offense going. And also maybe if the defense does some things on Dak Prescott and more Cowboys blitz, I think that's definitely going to be the scenario. Now, of course, we'll see how the game shapes out, but I definitely think that the Cowboys may send some more guys um, I think in a traditional Daniel Jones light, they may have or they may have not in that sense because, you know, they got four guys and the Giants offensive line is not good. This is the best offensive line we've seen in terms of player, 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 player. But um, why I say more Cowboys blitz is because Tommy DeVito, he's not experienced at all. I mean, yeah, he, he's going to get his first NFL start, and he's taken over in two games. But um, as, like, beyond this year, he's an undrafted free agent, so he's going to get frazzled in the pocket, and that's what Dan Quinn's going to take advantage of. Dan Quinn, you know, he may not have been this successful head coach, but he's a defensive coordinator that, you know, really likes to mastermind things when he's got the talent. So let's go to players to watch, and that will start with the quarterback. Dak Prescott, he's completing 70.2% of his passes, 2,011 yards, 13 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, and 22 sacks, which is the 11th most in the NFL. And he's got a passer rating over 100, so I'll give him that too as well. Um, as I said, looking to get the ball out quick. They may try some deep shots depending on how the Giants you know, are looking at things, how they're game playing things. If they're looking to take away the big play, then you'll see the quick game over the middle and some runs, maybe some screens too. But if they're playing the regular style defense, man-to-man, blitz, all this other stuff, then some shots deep will be taken. Um, and also the pick play, I think that's going to be featured as well, kind of like we saw week one, uh, C.D. Lamb and Xavier McKinney and Dory Jackson. Rushing game, it's mostly going to be through Tony Pollard, and you know the analytics say one thing, the stats say another. Tony Pollard's been okay. He doesn't have that sense of burst. He's only having four yards per carry. He's got two touchdowns on the year and one fumble lost, 59.3 yards per game. So that just says it all right there that they're not going to get a huge amount in the running game. But if for some reason the Giants defense does well against the pass, they will look to exploit. And also as well, looking to exploit, kind of we saw last game, 
Leonard Williams is no longer a giant. Ashawn Robinson, Nunez Roches, DJ Davidson, Jordan Riley have to factor in there as well. And you know, at this point, I'm going to be honest. Um, also, as well, I was talking about the outlook for certain guys like Dane Belton and watching those guys down the stretch. Throw in Javarius Owens. Throw in Jordan Riley. I mean, what is the hurt at this point? You're two and seven. You know, you traded away Leonard Williams. Throw the rookies in. I mean, Bobby McCain's not going to be a giant next year. I'm not saying bench Xavier McKinney because technically he's your best player, and I understand that. But if they benched him, I'd say, okay, I mean, I kind of get that because of all the statements he's made and all that other stuff. Though I don't know that type of message in terms of, like, how well it would go over with the locker room. But, you know, Javari Sowens and Jordan Riley, I mean, those, those guys won't hurt too much on the field. I mean, development. I'm not saying Owens is going to be this great star started safety, but hell, I mean, Xavier McKinney's not going to be a giant next year. I think you could take that one to the bank. But the receiving game, Mr. CeeDee Lamb is about less than 200 yards away from 1,000. He's got 19 catches over 20 yards, so he's very explosive. Three touchdowns on the season, a total of 57 catches, 72 targets. Uh, you move down to Jake Ferguson, who's the second leading receiver. Three touchdowns, 328 yards, 32 catches, three plays over 20 yards. Michael Gallup is the third guy, 243 yards. No touchdowns yet for Michael Gallup, but 22 receptions. The expected O-line. The right side struggled a little bit. The left side has dealt with some adversity, so these guys aren't um, the all-pros that you saw back in the day a few years ago. But there's still a solid offensive line. Uh, Tyler Smith, he's the left guard. He's given up seven penalties and one sack. Uh, Tyron Smith, he's had one penalty this year. Tyler Biotish has given up three sacks. Zach Martin has given up one penalty and three sacks. And then Terrence Steele had a terrible game against the Eagles. He has given up five penalties and six sacks thus far. So it seems as though the right side is a little weaker than that left side. And the left side, you know, as I said, faced a little adversity with the injuries to Smith. Both Smith brothers. Well, they're not brothers, but they're both Smith guys. So if you want to say both Smith football players. Um, nonetheless, though, that's going to be a key if the Giants want to stay competitive in this game. You know, attack that right side of the defense. Uh, right side of the offense, excuse me. And the left side of the defense. Um, Micah Parsons, seven and a half sacks, 17 quarterback hits. 31 tackles, 23 quarterback pressures, 10 tackles for a loss. Demarcus Lawrence, two sacks, three quarterback hits, 20 tackles, four quarterback pressures, and five tackles for a loss. Dorrance Armstrong, the second leading sacker for the Cowboys, three and a half sacks, five quarterback hits, seven tackle, 17 tackles, four for a loss, and seven quarterback pressures. Osa Digizua, three sacks, seven quarterback hits, 27 tackles, seven quarterback pressures. And five tackles. Also, Marquise Bell, who's getting more playing time as we go so far this season. 41 tackles and a tackle for loss, but he's been really good. Uh, his coverage stats aren't the best. We could pull those up, but um, as you'll hear in the second part of the show, he's a guy that's going to be getting more snaps down the line. He's an undrafted free agent from last year, and he could be one of the leaders of this defense going forward. Uh, when guys start getting out of here because they're older or whatnot. But in coverage, not great. 83.3% completion allowed, 151 yards. A touchdown, 120.1 passer rating. Now you go into the secondary. I'm going to start off with a guy, not Stephon Gilmore. I'm going to start off with Deron Bland because he's had an all-pro, Pro Bowl year. Um, four interceptions, three pick sixes, one of them against the New York Giants. 51.4% completion. 
202 yards, a passer rating of 37, and one touchdown allowed. Passer rating of 37. I don't think there's many players, if at all, that have had a low passer rating like Deron Bland has. Um, he's been excellent, and especially with Trayvon Diggs being out, they had to shoot him into the corner two role, and he's played really well. He's played really well there. He's a better slot guy, which, of course, you would like to have, you know, Trayvon Diggs on the field. Fortunately, you know, season-ending injury, and then Stephon Gilmore on the other side to have a better overall defensive fit. Stephon Gilmore, he's had a good season. Not Pro Bowl-esque, but Maybe Cowboy fans will consider it a Pro Bowl-esque season for him. Two interceptions, 53.8% completion, two touchdowns allowed, 71.5 passer rating, and then we'll do one more guy. We'll make that Jordan Lewis, who is going to be the slot corner, and it's going to be hints, hints in one of the matchups to watch. 53.6 completion percentage allowed, three touchdowns allowed this year, 111.2 passer rating, 193 yards. But... We'll go into top matchups in a second. We have our ad break, SeatGeek. So if you guys are going to a game, if you guys want to go to a concert, if you guys just want to tailgate in a parking lot of a stadium, SeatGeek is your one-stop shop for that. $20 off your entire order with the promo code Big Blue in the Bronx. That's the name of the podcast, name of the channel, nothing abbreviated, just Big Blue in the Bronx in all caps. So let's go to top matchups. We'll start with Deontay Banks. Now, he had a really bad game last game. Big plays, downfield all over. It was just a total mess for the defense. He struggled against Garrett Wilson. He played well against Terry McLaurin. He's going to need some sort of a bounce-back game, but it's also going to be a scheme of things where they put C.D. Lamb. Also where they put Deontay Banks, because is he going to be in the slot against C.D. Lamb? If not, is it going to be him against Brandon Cooks? Is it going to be him against Michael Gallup? That's that's what we're waiting to find out. And that will actually resolve all the other corner matchups against wide receivers. I can definitely tell you that Trey Hawkins is going to go up against Michael Gallup. Gallup's not going to be in the slot. He's going to be on the outside. And I think Hawkins can play really well. I think he's at the level of Michael Gallup, to be completely honest with you guys. Maybe I'm wrong on that one. I think maybe he'll match up decently against Cooks, but Cooks is more of an experienced guy. He's been in the league for years. And Trey Hawkins, you know, we'll need to see a little bit more progress out of him. And which will leave Cordell Flott versus either Jalen Tolbert or CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb, obviously, just about um, 100-some-on yards away from the 1,000 mark. And he could get it this game if the defense plays sloppily. So what I'll say is Cordell Flott versus CeeDee Lamb. It could be Banks also as well. I don't imagine Trey Hawkins ever having that matchup this game. I think it would be pretty stupid. So... You stay on the defensive side of the ball, and funny enough, all of these, except for one, are defensive matchups. Kayvon Thibodeau versus Terrence Steele. You got Aziz Ojolari back, and we'll talk about that in a sec, but you got Aziz Ojolari back. Thibodeau, eight and a half sacks, didn't really do much last game. Um, The Giants, I can't remember the last time they actually got to Dak Prescott, and consistently too, because they didn't get to Cooper Rush, they didn't get to Prescott in the first game, we all know that for shit sure. Let's take a look, and I don't think they got to him last Thanksgiving either. Let's take a look at those stats. I'm pretty sure he didn't get down at all. He didn't get a sack. Let's take a look. I could be wrong on this one. So Dak Prescott didn't surrender a sack, and the Giants got seven, excuse me, nine quarterback hits on him. Thibodeau had five. So he was like this close. And, you know, again, if he wants to show us that he's this, you know, 
elite pass rusher that he's worth a five overall pick. He's got to start playing well against some of these other teams, you know, the Eagles, and I know he had a sack against them last year. Uh, the Cowboys are a big one. The Giants, I can't remember the last time that the Dallas Cowboys actually were sacked by Giants defense. Actually, I can. 2021, when Quincy Roche and Aziz Ojolari met at Dak Prescott. And then also, as well, in the same game, uh, Lorenzo Carter had a forced fumble on Dak Prescott, and Austin Johnson recovered it, only to have an interception thrown by Mike Lennon, which hopefully that's not the aura that this game will have. Dexter Lawrence versus Tyler Biotish. Uh, Biotish, he's not an all-pro by any means. He's an average center. If you want to consider him above average, go ahead. But he's also going to be teamed up with Zach Martin because, hey, it's a double-team thing. That's what Dexter Lawrence, that's how he faces every time he faces uh, an opposing offensive line. But what I will say is this. We need to see a little bit more consistency out of Dexter Lawrence. Didn't have a lot last week. Against the Eagles, he doesn't really show up. And I'm not ripping Lawrence as a player. He does destructive things. And opposing defenses do fear him. But we need to see that all-pro production out of Dex against the rivals. And we see it against Washington, but we don't see it against the Eagles. We don't see that against the Cowboys. This is a game he'll need to get going a little bit. And Aziz should help him. I know he's on the inside. Aziz on the outside. I would like to see what Aziz does against Tyron Smith. Um, Aziz, again, not much production when he was on the field. Compared to last year where he had five and a half sacks. Um, hopefully he doesn't get hurt this game. Unfortunately, that's a staple of his career already. So what I'll say is this. Aziz Ojolari versus Tyron Smith. Let's see what happens. Keys to win. Or in this case, if you are a pessimistic Giants fan, keys to stay competitive. Protect Tommy DeVito. I think that's going to be one of the biggest ones. Protect Tommy DeVito because Dallas is going to throw a bunch of looks at him, try to confuse him. The Giants will be changing their game plan left and right, but DeVito is an inexperienced quarterback, and he's going to need all the help possible uh, on the offensive line because he does not take sacks well. So that's number one. Number two is what I just brought up. Get to Dak Prescott. I know it's a quick game. I know it's all that sort of stuff. I don't think you'll see long developing plays, but if you do, the Giants have to get there. They can't bust the coverage downfield. And I know the secondary helps the edge. The edge helps the secondary. All that sort of good stuff. But they have to get to Dak. They haven't gotten to Dak in two years. Uh, let's let let's get to Dak, right? Let let's sack the quarterback, Dak. And number three is run the football. That's honestly how the Giants are going to survive on offense. Um, is running the football. That's my personal opinion. I know that you know it worked for a little bit in week one, and then the rest of the weeks, you know. On and off, and then also, you know, after that one drive, the Cowboys figured it out in week one, but run the football. Run the football and create some trickery. You know, Wondell Robinson end around or uh, any of those option plays. I don't know. Do something. Run the football. Be efficient. However, folks, I have this ending in a Cowboys victory 40-8. to I don't think this game will be particularly close. Um... The Giants don't have the offense to keep up with the Cowboys, and I think Tommy DeVito's mistakes and his learning progress will end up into the Cowboys' hands as an interception or a fumble, any of that stuff. But um, sorry, I think it's 40-8. to eight. I think they stack up 80 points on us to close out the 2023 season in terms of the uh, head-to-head matchups, which we only get two. But I did promise you guys something before we get to the other stuff. Uh, the Giants tank rooting guide. So 
We got Carolina over Chicago. That didn't happen, but Chicago actually winning did something for us. We moved down to the, uh, I believe it was the third spot. So the Giants were fourth. Now they're third in the draft order. New England over Indianapolis. This could happen. This legitimately could happen. I think uh, Indianapolis is a little bit vulnerable. Those are two key matchups. I'll list the other two key matchups and then the rest of the rooting guide. Uh, Arizona over Atlanta. That's a big one. Kyler Murray's coming back versus Taylor Heineke. You might like Arizona in that game, honestly. But that's what you need to root for if you're rooting for the tank. Uh, Washington over Seattle. I think that's a possibility. I think Seattle's vulnerable. And Washington riding, you know, a medium high. Medium high. And then also Cleveland over Baltimore. May or may not happen. Green Bay over Pittsburgh. That's a toss-up. San Francisco over Jacksonville. I think that could definitely happen. Uh, New Orleans over Minnesota could happen. Houston over Cincinnati, very unlikely. There's a lot of injuries on the Houston side. Tampa Bay over Tennessee, I think that could happen. Uh, The Chargers over Detroit, I don't think it'll happen. The Chargers didn't play their best game against the Jets. Speaking of the Jets, we need the Raiders to win over the Jets, and then Denver over Buffalo. So that's a tank rooting guide. We will move into our next segment, which is the discussion with David Howman of Blogging the Boys on the Giants-Cowboys matchup. All right, so now we have the discussion portion of the show, and this time around we've got David Howman on of Blogging the Boys. And I'll start off with a question relating to last week, David. What are some of the things that went right, and what are some of the things that went wrong against the Eagles? And I'll also ask about the Cardinals game as well because – that seemed very shocking at the time, but most recently, what happened against the Eagles? Yeah, with the Eagles, it was uh, it was really a game that came down to a matter of just a couple of plays that really swung the game. It was a very competitive game between the two, and I mean, these are two of the really top teams in the NFC, and they were just kind of going back and forth, toe to toe with each other. And, you know, there were a couple of plays, um, you know, they had a, a touchdown that ended up getting called back because... He was down short by like an inch. Dak Prescott stepped out right before he lunged up for the end zone on a two-point play. So um, that was one of those games where it's you know it it's, comes down to a game of inches, and they were just on the wrong side of a few plays. And uh, you know it's a tough it's a tough pill to swallow, but ultimately they they played well, and it's about as well as you can feel after a loss, even though it comes against a bitter rival like the Eagles. Yeah, exactly. And then also, I. So most of what happening is the 49ers, and obviously they're a very good team, but they're going through their struggles. What happened in that game against the Cardinals? Because, again, everybody was just blown away. Wow, the, the Cowboys lost against the Cardinals a week after they blew that big lead to the New York Giants. Yeah, that was, uh, that, that was a definitely a shock when it happened. Um, part of it was a case of, I think, the Cowboys, they just overlooked the Cardinals um, as – both the Giants and Commanders had done in week one, weeks one and two, but they were able to pull it out and and get the win there. And those Cardinals, like credit to them, they're 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 a feisty team, um, and they're getting Kyler Murray back this week, so we'll see how much that elevates them. But that that was a game where the Cowboys kind of got ahead of themselves, overlooked an opponent, and they were also playing with three different uh, backup backup players on the offensive line. Two of them making their first career start, so. That definitely played a part, and I think later on in the game, after the Cowboys kind of realized, like, we got to step up, we got to take this team a little more seriously, once you're kind of put yourself in that hole, and then also you're trying to 
uh, you know, make up for some of the lack of experience along the offensive line, it, it puts you in a tough spot. And that's really what happened in that game. They, they kind of dug themselves a hole and didn't have the means to really get out of it at that point. So it, it was, uh, you know, definitely shocking and unfortunate. And the hope is that, that they've kind of learned their lesson and won't take anyone uh, for granted coming up. Yeah, definitely. And we'll start further into game prep. It's the quarterback position. Dak Prescott has displayed eight games of football thus far. What has he gotten better at this year, in your opinion, if he has, compared to last year's performance? I think a lot of it has just been his timing. Um, that's been a big focus of the new offense with Mike McCarthy taking over the play calling is just uh, making sure he gets the ball out a lot quicker. He's been doing that. He's in the top 10 and fastest time to throw among all quarterbacks. Um, also, they've synced up the wide receivers routes to his drops. So there's not as many plays where he's really just, you know, dropping back far and, and like taking a lot of time in the pocket. Um, obviously against the Eagles, one of the things that kind of hurt them was he took a lot of sacks. Part of that was issues with the pass protection. Their right tackle, Terrence Steele, just wasn't holding up against a really good Eagles pass rush. But a lot of it has just been like getting Dak um, getting him into a rhythm, you know, he, he'll, he'll you know, take a one-step drop, three-step drop. He's getting the ball out real quick, not really giving time for, you know, defenders to get in his face. And also they're, they're kind of uh, working it to where it's like you have one or two reads. If it's not there, go into the scramble drill. And that's something throughout his career he's done really well with when he's on the move, whether he's like tucking it and running or if he's getting outside the pocket, making a play on the run. He's generally been pretty good at that. And now they're kind of building that more into their structure of like, if, if your first couple of reads aren't there, get out of the pocket, do what you do, like what comes naturally to you. Um, and it took a little bit for him to really kind of get into a groove there. But these last couple of weeks, he's gone over 300 yards in both of the games and he's moved a lot more on, on the ground with his legs and taken more advantage of that. So it really feels like he's starting to get more comfortable in that. And he just, it's, his whole game is just building off of that. Right. Moving to the running back position, what are your thoughts on Tony Pollard's performance thus far? Obviously, to start the season, he was coming off an injury. And do you think that Deuce Vaughn should get more reps? Um, well, I mean, there was a lot of ex excitement around Deuce Vaughn, especially because in the preseason, he had some really big, flashy plays. Uh, and, and they were trying to feature him a little bit in, in the first few games. And it wasn't really hitting for him. I think a lot of that is just one, the fact that he's a rookie going up against first string defensive players for the first time. And he's also small. Like I, I think he can probably overcome that throughout his career. But um, when you're a rookie and you also include that factor, it's just difficult. Um, so he's been inactive the last few weeks. It, it looks like he may potentially be active for this game because Kevante Turpin, their um, primary return specialist, Hasn't practiced all week. He's likely going to be a health, uh, not a healthy scratch, but they're probably going to keep him out for this game. Um, so we may get to see Deuce Vaughn in this game and see what he can do. Uh, and, and that's kind of, that'll be really interesting because the run game as a whole and specifically with Tony Pollard has been a struggle this year. Um, Tony Pollard has not really, he hasn't had the kind of burst that he used to have. It's hard to know how much of that is because of the injury, how much of that is just because you know, now he's in an elevated role. He's taking more workload in a on a weekly basis than he ever was before in his career. Um, and some of it is also just 
like some of the the run blocking has not been fully there. Like the the Cowboys have some really good run blockers on their offensive line, but they just haven't really been creating holes for him to run through so far this year. And so, um, I mean, it, it's something that they've been gradually improving on the last couple of weeks since they came out of the bye. But if, if I had to really point to one part of this offense that has fallen behind and hasn't really gotten up to par yet, it would be the running game, specifically Tony Pollard. Yeah, definitely. So moving to disappointments and underperformances and stuff like that. Do, are you disappointed by Brandon Cooks' performance thus far? Um, me personally, I don't think I'm, I'm too disappointed in it, um, but that's definitely the, the vibe around Cowboys Nation. Um, a lot of people really want to see him get more involved. Um, I think a, a big reason that he hasn't been more involved is it really just comes down to the structure of the offense. Like I was saying before, they're – they're really trying to get the ball out of Dak Prescott's hands quickly. And so what that really means is like, he's either hitting that first or his second read. And the Cowboys have a guy named CD lamb. Who's been on a tear lately. He's going to be the first read on you know most of these plays. So a lot of the time they're going to be getting the ball to CD lamb, which means there's only so many opportunities to go around to other guys, which also means Brandon cooks only get so many opportunities to be thrown to. And, you know, it's that, that's just that's the cost of having a great number one receiver. Um, so personally, I don't think it's necessarily a big deal. Brandon Cooks has shown that when they do have like schemed up deep shots for him or when when he is, you know, the first or second read, he's proven reliable. So I, I think that's, you know, it's a good thing to have. But also, you know, if, if C.D. Lamb is playing the way that he has been the last few weeks, you know, keep throwing it his way. Like that's not a that's not a bad problem to have, in my opinion. Moving to the offensive line, you brought it up earlier as part of the reason you guys fell to the Cardinals in week three. The offensive line, 11th most sacks in the NFL given up, multiple injuries to the tackle and guard spots, in and out rotations there. How do you think the O-line played when adversity got in their way? Um, for the most part, I think they've they've played fairly well with when they've had the injuries and everything. Um, you know, some of the guys that have come in like in that Cardinals game, two of them were making their first career start. One of them was an undrafted rookie. Um, and granted they didn't play well enough to the point where you're going to say like, let's get them back out on the field. But in the context of the situation that they had, like they, they've more or less held up their end of the bargain for realistic expectations. Um, and, and they've had a lot of, uh, a lot of shuffling around on the offensive line already. Uh, Taryn Steele, who, you know, Gave up, I think, 12 pressures, four sacks just last week. He is really the, the, the one player who's played the most out of this starting offensive line. He's been the most consistent in terms of being on the field, but also he's had some issues in pass protection. So it, it's been they, – they've had to juggle a lot. And, um, you know, when you look at some of, the, some of the numbers that you pointed out, like you, you can see, yeah, that's going to happen when you have this much shuffling. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's – necessarily affected them that much i would have expected a little little bit more struggle there so it's been kind of encouraging that they've been able to produce as well as they have been would you say that's a little bit of a disappointment knowing that Steele has not played consistently well thus far given an given that he was uh, signed to a contract extension in the offseason yeah it is a little disappointing um especially because 
you know, with, with Steele, um, I mean, he's always been his his mo is in the run blocking game. Like he's he's a really great road grader in the run game, and um, pass protection has always been his struggle. But that's they've seen some general signs of growth over his time in the NFL, and that was kind of why they felt comfortable giving him that extension. Is like we know what you are in the run game, and especially they love having him at right tackle next to Zach Martin because when you run behind those two, you know you're going to get some easy money there. But they, they said, you know, we're going to kind of bank on him continuing to grow as a pass protector. Granted, he did tear his ACL last year, missed the last few games of the season. So similar to with, you know, Tony Pollard and his struggles, you know, how much of that is, is just, um, you know, he's still kind of physically working his way back into shape. Um, that's something else to consider. But it, it definitely is, at least on some level, disappointing just because, he seemed to be on on the on the rise, and now it's kind of a little bit of more struggle. Okay, um, moving to the defensive side of the ball, is the Marcus Lawrence being phased out of the defense, or is it because they have to get a lot of edge players some playing time? Like Chauncey Golston is a name that's thrown out there, but the snap percentages for Lawrence in each game is usually between forty and seventy at most. Is he being phased out, or is it we have to get all the edge guys playing time? I think it's more that they're just trying to get everybody onto the field. Um, and, and also some of it is, I mean, most of the time when this team has been winning, like they've been winning blowouts. And so they they tend to pull most of their starters. Um, one of the guys that they don't really pull is Micah Parsons because he kind of, you know, he, he's he's so much of a competitor that he, he throws a fit if you try to take him off the field. And so they're like, all right, like we'll leave you in. You can get your stat, your, your sacks, you can pad your stats. Um, but Demarcus Lawrence is not as young and spry as Micah Parsons, so he's like, "Yeah, I'll take the rest." I think that's that's probably part of it too. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, like they're they're very deep along this defensive line. Chauncey Golston is he's someone that can play outside and inside. They have Sam Williams, who's who was a rookie last year. He's really started to heat up the last two weeks, and uh, Dante Fowler, a former you know top five draft pick. And they're like, you know, we, we want to get some of these guys on the field, but it also means some of these guys, you know, sometimes you're going to take a guy off the field that can really produce. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily that they're phasing him out. He's been productive when he's played, but they just, they have a lot of mouths to feed and they just have to make some of those decisions. Definitely. Moving to the linebacker position, or at least most, some consider a linebacker, some consider him a safety, but coming into the year, uh, I only heard this name from Tom Ryle. He told me about Marquise Bell, and I'm like, to be honest with you, I don't know who that is. But then he had a large number of tackles against the Giants in that blowout game, and you know he's been playing uh, this amount of snaps in this game, whatever, so on and so forth. How impactful has he been this year for the Cowboys' defense? Yeah, he's been huge. I mean, this is a guy who – a year ago was an undrafted rookie out of Florida A&M as a safety and going into this off season was still playing at safety. And then like a week before the start of the season, they said, Hey, we're going to move you to linebacker. So now suddenly he's in a completely different, just a, from a, from the perspective of like meeting rooms with the coaches. Now he's meeting with different coaches, meeting with different players in there to, to talk about things and his actual assignments are completely different. And week one, he comes out and, uh, he wasn't a starter at linebacker for them, but he comes out and he plays really well. 
And now he's been pushed into more of a starter role with Leighton Vanderish going down and they really haven't missed a step. And that's, that's a huge credit to him um, being a, a safety who's now playing linebacker. And it hasn't even been a full year that he's been playing this position, barely been three months and he's playing it as if he's been doing it his whole life. So being able to get that kind of production from him has been really huge just because they really went into this season with not a whole lot of depth at linebacker. So when they actually had to call on him for him to step up like that, it's, it's been so much more than they could have realistically expected from him. Right. And do you think that if he gets more snaps down the line and maybe in the future, if he's still playing this way that he could be, and I'm not saying that, you know, there's one of every person, there's no double, but you know, could be, of the likes of Sean Lee in his prime or Jalen Smith, you know, that type of impact on the Cowboys defense. I think that's definitely something that the Cowboys front office is hoping for is like, if he can, you know, be that kind of long-term guy um, to have that kind of impact. Yeah. That, that would be, I'm sure they would be thrilled with that. Um, but uh, I think right now they're, they're hoping that Leighton Vanderesh is able to come back in, in a few weeks and um, kind of, uh, get him ready for a, you know, push towards the end of the season to kind of push for that NFC East title. Um, but at the same time, knowing that you have a guy like Marquis Bell, who you can play him at safety, you can play him at linebacker, you can pretty much put him anywhere on the field and he's going to be able to produce and you can rely on him. Um, that's, that's really good from a depth perspective. That's really good from just a overall versatility of the defense perspective. And I think that's, you know, they, they have a lot of guys like that who, are young players that have either been pushed into action or haven't yet, but they know that they have them waiting in the wings on defense and they feel really good about the depth there. Definitely. And how has this defense adjusted since the injury to Trayvon Diggs? Um, it's been, it's been touch and go. Definitely. Um, I mean, any, anytime you lose a player of Trayvon Diggs caliber, you know, it's going to have an effect. Um, the biggest thing was Deron Bland going from their slot corner to outside. And he's been having a heck of a year. He's, he's got three pick sixes on the year. I think it's, uh, it's the most pick sixes in a year since uh, 2019. Marcus Peters did that back in 2019. Um, he's been playing great on the outside. He was playing great in the slot before. Um, they're, I think where they've kind of gotten into a bit of trouble is who replaced him in the slot was, uh, Jordan Lewis, who's a very veteran player, and actually a year ago he was the starter in the slot. He got hurt and he missed the rest of the year. That's when Bland kind of stepped in as a rookie and kind of made his claim to to being a starter in this defense. And so Lewis, again, you know, kind of the, the theme of what we're talking about here, another guy coming off a, a big injury, and he hasn't quite looked the same so far this year. He's He's gotten beaten coverage quite a few times against the Eagles, especially on their opening drive. I think like three different times they threw his way and got a first down every single time. Um, so he's kind of been the weak point of that secondary. Um, but also at the same time, the Cowboys kind of look at that and say, you know, he's, he's a proven vet. He's one of the leaders of the locker room. You know, we know he's still kind of working his way back from this injury and he actually entered the season as their fourth corner. So he wasn't supposed to be, seeing this many reps this early on in the season. So I think they have confidence in him being able to get back to where he was, but that has been a point of struggles for them in this secondary so far. 
Now, I would say, and you'd probably agree, that uh, Deron Bland is playing at a Pro Bowl level. Do you think he's a better outside or slot guy? Um, I think he's better in the slot. Um, I think he's just uh, the, the physicality that he plays with um, is something that's just so crucial to playing in the slot because a lot of times you're going to be helping out a lot more in run support than you are on the outside. Um, and his ability to just mirror players. And, you know, one of the things about slot receivers and why so many teams now put their best receiver in the slot is because now you have plenty of room for an outside release. You have plenty of room for an inside release. And so when you're looking for a slot corner, you want someone who's really good at handling both of those types of moves. Bland has really shown that. He's shown the physicality in the run game. So, I mean, it's kind of a another good situation to have where, like, if you have him on the outside, you're in good shape. But also, I think he just adds a little bit more value inside. Definitely. And moving further into game prep, top matchups, either position against position or player against player heading into this game. Um, I think uh, as, as far as player against player, I'm really excited to see uh, C.D. Lamb versus Cordell Flott in the slot. Um, not only because I love the fact that a guy named Flott plays in the slot, I just think it's, you know, match made in heaven. Um, but, I mean, you know, Flott was someone who I really liked coming out of college, and and he, you know, didn't play the first couple weeks this season. And um, and I was I was kind of wondering, like, you know, what's going on there? Like, I thought I think he's he's a pretty solid player. And for the most part, I think he's held up well this season when he's you know gotten some action and, and been thrown at. Um, but C.D. Lamb is a really tough matchup, probably the the best receiver he'll face all year. Um, that's that's a really tall task, and especially with the way he's been playing the last few weeks, he's gone over 100 yards. I think each of the last three weeks, and the Cowboys have really made him. He was already a focal point of the offense, but they've made him so much more. Um, central to the way that this passing game works. So I think that's really going to be one area where, like, if, if Flod is able to at least hold his ground, because you're not going to be able to completely shut down a guy like Lamb, but if he's able to, you know, at least give some resistance, then the Cowboys have to look other places. They can't just throw to Lamb every single time and just know that they're going to get whatever they want. So um, I, I think that's really a first step there. And then another thing I'm kind of looking at is, the, the mental war between Dak Prescott and defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. Uh, this is something I've been, like, I, I really enjoyed. I love Wink Martindale. I think he's a really fun defensive coordinator. And, you know, I mean, his, his MO is just, like, you know, blitz every single time. And Dak Prescott, for his career, has generally been great against the blitz. Uh, in the one game last year where he faced the Giants, um, I, I was going into the game, I was saying, like, is Wink Martindale still going to blitz him a ton or is he going to kind of back off knowing what kind of player he's facing? And he, you know, he stayed too, true to himself. He blitzed him a ton, didn't go well for the Giants. And then this year, week one, actually he kind of pulled back. I think it was one of the lowest blitz rates that the Giants have had all year. And uh, I mean, Dak still played fairly well and that was kind of a wonky game with the rain and with the way the score kind of got away early on. But uh, I'm really curious to see how that chess match works out this time is like, is he going to still, you know, be very conservative with his blitzes? Will he be a little more selective with when he does it? 
Um, so that's something I, I look forward to and I always enjoy getting the chance to watch a Wink Martindale defense. Yeah, definitely. And then two X factors, one on offense, one on defense for the Cowboys. Uh, I think for offensively, I think uh, it's got to be Tony Pollard. Um, like I had mentioned, this is uh, this is a run game that for the Cowboys has been kind of not necessarily broken, but it just hasn't lived up to expectations. And they're kind of trying to figure that part out before they go into the second half of this season. And the Giants have, you know, generally they've struggled a little bit against some running backs. And there's been some areas where, you know, depending on how you try to run the ball, you can have success against this defense. But at the same time, you know, th this is also a game where either you're going to get your running game fixed or you're going to find out that these problems go a lot deeper than just facing really good run defense. So I think that's going to be a huge thing is if they can get Pollard going, if they can get the run game all on its own going, they're going to be in a good shape for this game and then also building off of that beyond. Um, and then defensively, uh, honestly, I it's, it's hard for me just because I haven't seen a whole lot of Tommy DeVito to really know how this how this offense will look like with him. I'm very interested to, to see how he does in this offense, but um, I think I just have to go with uh, Micah Parsons. I mean, the, the easy pick, he's, he's really the engine that makes that defense go. And with some of the issues that the Giants have had on the offensive line, whether it's injuries or, or inconsistent play, and they've had to shuffle some guys around, um, you know, he's, he's just a player that, like, you have to identify him pre-snap every single play and kind of build everything else you're doing around what's Micah Parsons doing and we need to, if he's going there this way, we like, we got to go the opposite way. We got to make sure we're accounting for him. So, um, I mean, it, it's it's the low-hanging fruit, but at the same time, he's, he's one of those players where it's like he's always going to be the top X factor. Definitely. And then... As far as game planning goes, looking at the other team, the Giants, uh, one X factor on offense and one X factor on defense. Um, I mean, on offense, I, I, I really want to say Tommy DeVito because I, I, I am, I love his uh, his TD necklace and everything I've heard about Tommy DeVito. I'm like, I want to learn more. I want to see more. Um, but I really got to go with Saquon Barkley on offense just because. Um, I mean, some of the some of the additions that they've made on offense this offseason, uh, you know, haven't quite worked out. I, I thought Paris Campbell was going to do a lot better. Darren Waller was doing well, but of course now he's now he's injured. Um, and Saquon, I mean, I think relative to his own expectations, probably has not played as well. But he's still shown that he's that guy who he can make plays in the run game. He can make plays in the pass game. I think he accounts for a third of all of your offensive touchdowns. So like he's, he's been, he's been productive. He's been the guy that has really kind of helped move this offense along, even when they've struggled. I think if, if the Cowboys defense is able to really bottle him up, they'll be in a good spot. Um, and then defensively, um, I think, you know, Dexter Lawrence is kind of like a, Kind of like Micah Parsons, except, you know, three times the size. Um, he's someone where, like, you always have to – you always have to know where he is. You have to account for him. And I remember in that week one game, like, obviously 40 to nothing, like a lot of things went the Cowboys' way. But 
he still had some plays where it was like he gave those offensive linemen a really tough day, even against Zach Martin, one of the best guards in football. Like he was making his life miserable when he was going against him. So that's definitely someone they need to always know where he's at and, and adjust accordingly. Yeah, definitely. I'm not going to, I usually do this with the opposing content creator or writer. Uh, I'm not going to ask who you think is going to win because at this point in the season for the Giants, we know who's going to win. It's going to be the Dallas Cowboys. I think we could pretty much say that by how much is obviously going to be determined on Sunday. But uh, last thing, where can people find you and your work? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at underscore DH44 underscore. You can find my work on bloggingtheboys.com. Um, usually putting stuff out almost daily um, for the most part. And uh, on Twitter, I'm sharing my thoughts, especially on, on Sundays during the game. I'll, you know, sometimes, depending on how the game is going, you know, if, if it's really, really intense like it was this last week, I'm not tweeting as much, but uh, I, I try to get some thoughts out there and have some, have some stuff to read and, uh, you know, have a good time with it. Definitely. So uh, we appreciate David coming on and uh, giving his thoughts from the Cowboys standpoint of things. And if you guys have any, please look at some of the stuff he puts out and his Twitter and all that. But uh, as for this podcast, like, comment, subscribe to all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications. Use the uh, Seeky code. That's Big Moon the Bronx, $20 off. And also five stars on Apple Podcasts. But uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in, and we will see you later.